It's time to go to church. Who's, who's heard that in your life? It's time to go to church. Right? How, what's, a, what's your gut reaction to that when you hear that phrase? It's time to go. I mean, I've got kids back there that I tell that to now. It's time to go to church. What's that mean to you? To go to church. Waking up early on a Sunday, okay? Do we have to go to church? Uh, well, Nathan just nailed our question for tonight. <laughs> Do I? There's a, it's, it's all in how you, uh, it's all in the tone, right? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to go to church? Or do I have to go to church? What does that mean to you, to, to go to church? Like, what, just what kind of uh, reactions or visions does that uh, bring up in you? Hurry, hurry up! Get out the door! We're late! Yeah, okay. Having to, oh, ooh, having to dress up when you don't want to, yeah. All right, that's still me. <laughs> really hoping there's still donuts. I'm so encouraged so far by your idea. Oh, Matt says, gets to see your friends. All right. Good. <laughs> what else? What else does it mean to you when you hear the phrase, it's time to go to church? Okay. All right. What, what songs are they going to be? What's the music going to be like? What are we doing? Dylan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Andy wonders about the song. Dylan wonders about the sermon. How's traffic? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, we could go on, but there is this sense of going to church that has become part of our... Uh, our language, our lexicon, it's in our phraseology, even as Christians, we, uh, we go to church, it's time to go to church, uh, I'm going to church, or I'm someone who goes to church, right, and, and it's all uh, kind of brings about this, um, this idea of church as, a, as an event, as a thing that you do, that you get ready for by putting on clothes you don't want to, uh, that you think about the things that are going on in a service, right? Like the songs or the sermon or whatever else, right? Uh, it's an event. It's a service. It's a it's a gathering. It's a uh, it's a, a liturgy. Maybe uh, you would say a liturgy being uh, a kind of a thing that you a thing that you do that you understand that has its own processes, right? Um, now, I think it's interesting that going to church has become synonymous for many in our language with being a Christian, right? And, and the, I, I encounter this a lot, and, it, and but when I started thinking about this, it actually started surprising me when I would hear people say this uh, over and over. Uh, we don't actually say, I'm a Christian, nearly as much as we do, I go to church, right? Why do we say that? Why is that phrase so much more common for us? 
What's that? Less of a commitment? Easier to say, right? It's more, it kind of just intones in what you do more than kind of who you are, right? But we say it as, as, a, as an identity, right? I'm someone who goes to church, right? Chairman. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. So if you go to church, you're better than someone who doesn't go to church. Maybe true. <laughs> yeah, less controversial. And I think there's there's a subtle truth in that, right? Um, it so it raises the question. I mean, I think, I think all this language and how we talk about this and, and the ideas that it creates in us um, as people of faith and our ideas of church and going to church and all these things that uh, are connected to that idea uh, raises a very good question in us, I think, that we have to deal with. And I think we have to dig into it a little bit to... to find its answer or maybe another better question and that is do i have to go to church to be a christian let me ask that right now do, do i have to go to church to be a christian you can you can do this or, or the, like it's a yes or no like yeah. hmm? i see <laughs> oh don't don't go there no this is a yes or no <laughs> don't pick apart my question that's my job Right. Yeah, no, I, okay, so I saw some of this. I saw a little bit of this, right? So we've got different ideas of do I have to go to church uh, to be a Christian? Well, what I want to do tonight uh, in good Jesus fashion is to try to change that question, at least a little bit, and try to change our language and our understanding of what it means to go to church, right, or going to church. So that part of that question is, well, what does church actually mean? And I think it's really important from the outset to, uh, to know and understand that Jesus did not establish any concept in his ministry of going to church um, or really even of the institutional Christian church as we know it, he didn't do any of that. He did lots and lots of teaching. And he did, he did teaching even about uh, the church. But he didn't do any teaching that we get any answers about, uh, about the organized church or institutional church from or how even church works. Uh, because he was a Jew, right? We know that. J Jesus was a good practicing Jew, so what was his church, as we kind of define it? Temple, right? What, synagogue, right? He went to synagogue, right? And, and, and then every now and then, uh, the Jews would go to temple, right? And to make the journey to Jerusalem and go to the temple. Um, but basically, their local church would be the synagogue. And so they go to the synagogue, and there are 
prescribed services at the synagogue. We read one of those times where Jesus uh, went to the synagogue. We won't get into it tonight, but in Luke 4, we've been there. It's a, it's a moment where he's at the synagogue, and he had been asked to be, you know, we have like our scripture readers. Well, he was, had been asked to be the scripture reader. And so we have, even in that moment, Jesus going to church, being the scripture reader at church, and that's a, a really important moment uh, in, in his ministry. If you, ha- if you haven't been here when we talked about that, read Luke 4. It's really, really important. Uh, so Jesus went to church um, at the synagogue. So then, what is church for us? We get the idea of church from uh, this Greek word that's used really commonly called ecclesia. Right? And ecclesia <coughs> is defined uh, kind of through the history of the Bible as a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or an assembly. Well, that sounds a whole lot like our concept of going to church, right? Uh, it's a place, it's an assembly, it's a gathering of people. But if you read, and there's, there's a really important source on this, the, the, the Strong's uh, the Strong's Greek Dictionary, and, the, and it actually has in the Christian sense the def- definition becomes t- those who anywhere in a city, village, etc., constitute such a company and are united into one body. Now that sounds a lot different in some fundamental ways, right? We go from a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or an assembly to those who anywhere in a city, a village, etc., constitute such a company and are united into one body. There's something that really, there's something very important that happens here in the establishment of Christianity through the discipleship and following of Jesus, and that is it changes our notion of going to church, or it should change our notion of going to church. Now, if you've been around for any amount of time, we draw a lot from Acts chapter 2, and there's a reason for that, and we're going to go back there here to talk about our notions of church. So at the end of chapter 2, we have the, we actually call it the beginning of the church, uh, so in Acts chapter 2, if you don't know anything about that, there's a big, um, the, the apostles are together, uh, the, the Holy Spirit comes on them, they're in Jerusalem for the celebration of the Pentecost, a Jewish celebration, so there's a huge gathering. Uh, they go out to the crowds, they start preaching, everybody hears uh, the, the apostles preaching in their own language, so there's a big multitude of languages going on, and uh, it's a miraculous thing that happens, so Peter uh, gets up and starts preaching, there's, their whole sermon is recorded there in Acts, and the people are, uh, they are convicted. Uh, about what he's telling them about Jesus, about what they had done to Jesus. And they're like, what do we do? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift will be for you and your children, all those who are far off. Um, and we often say that chapter could have easily ended there and, and uh, with, with the baptism of thousands and thousands of people. Right? That would have been a great, uh, a great uh, conclusion to that story, but the chapter doesn't end there. It describes what happens to these people, and in that description, we have 
um, of an, an incredible kind of uh, understanding of what the very first Christian church was about. And we started in verse 42 of Acts, and we'll, we'll read along there here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And then it goes on to talk about how, the, how God added to their number daily those who were being saved. They kept growing and growing and growing from there. But we're talking about church, and we're talking about church as, as it uh, compares to kind of our popular notion of this place we go to uh, worship or the assembly. And I want to ask you, uh, did these people gather? Did they gather? Yes. That's a very strong yes, right? Where did these people gather? In the temple courts and where we said it in their homes right so we have we have the the description of these people as gathering so obviously that's very important to them they didn't so 3000 people were were baptized they were saved that was the beginning of the church they all went off to their own things and had their own faiths and 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 read their own bibles prayed to their own god no, they gathered, and it was so important that they gathered that they found all the places that they could to gather, which included for them the temple courts because they were in Jerusalem. They had all come to Jerusalem. They didn't even they didn't even disperse from Jerusalem because the Pentecost was over, right? The Pentecost celebration. They stayed in Jerusalem because this suddenly their lives were changed and transformed. And they stayed together. They gathered together in the temple courts and in homes around the area, right? They broke bread in their homes and did what? Ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the real question is, can't I be a believer by myself? Now, I hear this, and I encounter this, and I deal with this question sometimes even in my own head. Can't I just do this by myself? I pray. I read the Bible. I am a good person partly because of that. Right? I know morality. I can read about Jesus. I can grow in God in really significant ways, without going to church. Um, and is that true? Well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. That's why I think it's an honest question that's really well-intentioned, and it comes from a real place, especially among those who have been hurt by the church or have seen the dark side of people who are part of the church or have seen corruption in institutions, 
or just don't get anything out of going to a building for an hour a week and s sitting there and standing there and sitting there and then standing there and then sitting there and you know listening to a sermon for 20 minutes or whatever. There's some of you here tonight who are like, I got nothing out of that. Don't worry, I know. <laughs> I work for an institutional church, right? And I have in various places for close to 20 years now. And believe me, I have seen some of the worst, of the worst. And some of that worst has, has affected me sometimes in really terrible ways. I have seen how the church has been terrible. Right? I know that. So if that's true, then why do we need it? Or why should we do that? So I, wanna, I want us to understand some things. I want us to, to kind of chew on some things here tonight. We'll not answer any of these questions completely, right? But I'm going to give you some things to think about. We have to understand that our faith and belief is about discipleship. Right? And we talk about discipleship here at Longhorns for Christ um, uh, a lot. We describe a lot of the things that we do and we believe and we understand in terms of discipleship. If you even turn around and look at the wall there, we have the five layers of discipleship. It's a part of our core of our identity and how we understand ourselves. Right? And what is discipleship, for those of you who have been around? What is, di what, what is a disciple? There you go. A follower, right? As, as a disciple is a follower. So discipleship is the practice of following, right? And we say we are followers of Jesus. We go in the way of Jesus. As Jesus goes, our practice of discipleship is to go with him and follow in his uh, footsteps. But one thing that Jesus made very, very, very clear about discipleship uh, is that it is not you following him. It is you following him. Y'all following him. He always spoke of it in those terms. Um, never in the entire narrative of God and his people is our faith ever treated as individual. Now we can read it like that. We can understand a lot of it like that if we do that. But we have to understand it as it is always truly and originally spoken of and that is a communal practice together. And that's what our discipleship is. And that's why we say it's the we, we have the individual. There is your connection of your heart to God but everything else is how that that practice connects to others, right? Even how we define it, the individual, the interpersonal, the small group, the large group, and the external. Almost all of those are how we do that together. And even the individual is about how we equip each other to our individual faiths, right? So our mission, love God and love others. What's the common denominator there? This is an easy one. Love, right? Love. Jesus says, and this is why we say this, this is why we remind ourselves of this, right? Everything, everything 
is about love, loving God and loving others. Now, what does, what does love imply the presence of? Something else, right? Someone else, right? You don't have, you don't have love just here, right? That's, that's an easy practice of love. Where's our more difficult practice of love? Right here, right? You and me, Chris, right? We're friends on Facebook now. Yeah. We're good. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's the more difficult practice of love is when you actually practice love, right? <laughs> right? But that's everything we're called to. And it's really that simple. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to practice love, and that involves others. You don't get out of that. I'm sorry. Now, can you practice that uh, an hour a week on a Sunday morning? Well, maybe you can, right? I mean, we say that we, like, we get to practice that here on Sunday nights, and I mean, this is like an hour a week on on Sundays, right? We do get to practice that, and I hope you do get to experience that. But uh, somebody do the math. How many hours there are there in a week? I didn't do the math. <laughs> so it's a top six percent right here. <laughs> right, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. So even if, even if for those of you are like, yeah, I get to, and I hope you do say that, yeah, I get to practice that an hour a week on Sunday morning. Well, I hope that it's a whole lot more for you than just that. Our faith is a collective effort because that is price, precisely what teaches us about love. And Jesus says that's what the church is. Those who together are practicing that mission of loving God and loving others. Love is difficult. Love has to be built and practiced and refined and pruned and taught. This is really clear in the book of Hebrews. And if you haven't read the whole book of Hebrews, let me encourage you to do that because this is a book written to people who are saying, I don't know if I can do this anymore. A people who are being persecuted, a people who had been scattered, a people who were discouraged in just about every layer of what their, their faith could be. And Hebrews is, hold on to your faith. It's worth holding on to your faith. Here's why you need to hold on to your faith. And here's how you can do that. It's a beautiful book. But we get to chapter 10 in Hebrews, and he, uh, these are the words. Listen to these words. You can see them on the screen here too. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience 
and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now up to this point, we can hear that like him to you, the writer to you, like you hold on, you hold on, you hold on. And that's true. But he says this, let us consider how we may spur, what? One another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Where did, where did the, the, the church start? What's the description of what they did together? In Acts, they met together. How often? Every day. Every day. And we come back around now to where that is very difficult. Things are hard. Like that was, a, that was a kind of mountaintop moment for these people, but things are really, really difficult. And he says, don't give up meeting together, being together. Being what? The church. As some are in the habit of doing. Some, some obviously have Stop doing that. You didn't see them anymore. They don't meet together anymore. But encouraging one another all the more and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, going to church. We got we to gotta, we gotta vastly expand our notion of going to church. Maybe even get rid of that language altogether because you don't go to church you are part of the church you are the church and we be the church by acting like the church by being a people who are together who are knit together who are connected on a heart level with each other who are encouraging each other toward love and good deeds, right? Yeah, we'll worship an hour a week together, but hopefully that can be a time that spurs us on in these things. We don't go, we do them, we leave. That's not really church. So no, Christianity isn't about going to church. So if the question is, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Well, I don't, I mean, I guess no, but if the question is, how do I grow in faith? How do I experience the richness of faith and receive what God has for me in all of these ways? The answer is always in the experience of community and our practice of faith and discipleship with each other. It's always in those contexts. So if your experience of church is largely showing up to a service and then leaving or getting dressed in clothes you don't want to wear and going and singing songs you don't really want to sing uh, and hearing a sermon that you're not really paying attention to and then going home from there or immediately running to lunch, whatever, um, I would argue that you're not really going to church. 
maybe it's maybe it's good for you and maybe maybe that hour a week or whatever it is is good and you get something from it but i would argue that you might not actually be going to church if that's the the extent of your experience right so i want us to encourage encourage us to grow in that understanding that deeper understanding that richer understanding um, of what church is and maybe we'll get beyond the uh well do i is, do i have to do this to be this um, and, and get into a better and better, better questions uh, for that. So we're going to go into a time of communion now, uh, and then we'll wrap up our worship tonight.